I want winners. I want people that want to win. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. You got to put your money where your mouth is, Pete. It's not gambling advice. Mailbag Friday on Not Gambling Advice. I'm Peter Apple. That's Colby Olson. And we are answering questions left off our Twitter at gambling underscore advice. We have a bunch of questions that pertain to gambling and fantasy, but I am in a terrible mood to start this podcast. So I just want to get it straight out of the way. I just suffered one of the worst first five bets loss ever. Um, I stand behind the numbers. It was Yoan Adon versus Taiwan Walker. And uh, Tywin Walker has bad numbers against the Nationals, and it's Yoan Adon, one of the worst pitchers in baseball right now. But here's how it went. So I lost through the first five innings on the over. 14 balls were hit over 95 miles an hour through the first five innings. That's generally what you'll see in a full game. And that's why 14 players were left on base in five innings with six walks. There was terrible base running. There was multiple double plays. But now I'm trying to turn the page onto a happier note because I get to speak with my man, Colby. Colby, hopefully you're doing much better than I. I mean, anytime you have a five, six, one, nine, six double play to end an inning. Yes, that's a real that's a real double play right there. And you got to go watch it. You're probably going to see the highlight. Hilarious way to uh, on my end, a hilarious way to watch you lose. But we, we don't like to see losing. But I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's baseball. Trust the process. It will happen. Balls bounce your way. Balls bounce not your way. You pick your head up. You get the next one. Pick your head up and gets the next one. So let's let's stop mulling over it because it's a new day. Closer mentality. Got to have a short memory. We battle back and we'll be better tomorrow or hopefully for the rest of the day. So let's get to the first question on the mailbag. Again, these were asked on Twitter at gambling underscore advice. You can find that tag in the episode description. So number one, what are your thoughts on the catching position? Because there are some top catchers like Yasmani Grandal and Salvador Perez that are slumping right now, but there are some big breakouts like Dalton Varsho, who was asked by D Hills on Twitter. So before, before I throw it over to you, Colby, it's interesting because we spoke at the beginning of this season kind of saying, yeah, this catching position is just not super deep. There's a couple guys at the top that you really want. And there's some sleepers at the bottom. You know, we were talking about some rookies, but overall, I feel like this position hasn't been great clearly to start the season, but it has been pretty deep. Would you agree or disagree? Yeah, I think what I've seen from the catching position thus far this season is I liken it to the tight end position in football. There's mm. two, three, four guys, maybe that are, you know, pretty damn good. Um, and behind that, there's a lot of guys that are very, very similar. And it's just kind of hard to pick through the weeds of who is the diamond in the rough here. Wilson Contreras has actually been, in my opinion, the, the biggest diamond in the rough. He's hitting Agreed. 304. He's the only catcher hitting above th- actually the one of two. Tyler Stevenson's the other catcher hitting over 300 right now, but he's hitting 304, 19 runs, 10 RBIs, really, really solid season. But there's only three catchers hitting above 280 right now, Peter. So like to me, you know, I'm not really worried about the catcher position because I feel like you just got to, unless you have one of those top guys, JT Realmuto, Wilson Contreras, like you're just kind of hoping that you have at least some production, some production. Exactly. Obviously Salvador Perez has been bad and maybe you can talk about, you know, kind of what you're expecting from Salvador Perez the rest of the way. Cause he just hasn't shown the power output that he did last year, but 
it could be a lineup thing as well. The Royals have struggled and the White Sox have struggled as well with, with Grandall. Yeah, the Royals just really haven't gotten going. I'll start with Salvador Perez, at least. I mean, right now he's slashing 198, 239, 396, but he does have five bombs. I mean, he's always going to hit the home run. But the thing is, this year versus last year, last year he was crushing off-speed pitches. This year he hasn't been able to touch them. He's not swinging and missing you know, an absurd amount on them, but he's just not putting those balls in play. Um, the batter bo- ball profile looks not that great right now, but it's expected. He's just gotten off to a tough start. I think this is a guy who's still going to give you um, close to 35 to 40 home run power. I just don't think that we're going to see a guy, you know, that hit 273 last year or even hit 333 in a shortened COVID year. Remember in 2018, he hit 235. I don't know if it's going to be 235, but I'm most likely expecting around a 250 batting average with 35 to 40 home runs from Salvi. He will pick it up, but I just don't think we're going to see what we saw last year. Yeah, and even like a guy like Grandal too, right now he's hitting a low average. That's what we saw last year, but he's just not getting the thump into the ball that we saw you know, last year. I think it is kind of unlucky. He's a guy that doesn't swing a lot, but when he does swing, he usually puts the ball into play with some force. Um, so I'm expecting a better season the rest of the way. And just like we saw with the Mets last year, right? Like all those guys were struggling fantasy wise because their lineup as a whole was struggling. And like, I think the White Sox lineup will get going here. I do think the White Sox on both of these lineups, I think will get going. The Royals too have been one of the worst offenses in baseball. And it's hard when you're Salvador Perez, when nobody around you is producing, because you're a run producer. I think he, his eyes light up when there's runners on second and third, and there just hasn't been runners on second and third. So he doesn't have that same thump. I'm not saying because there's not runners on second and third that he's not hitting well. I just think once there is, we're going to see a tick up in offensive production. So let's move on. Oh, we should also, before we go, we should, definitely mention the fact that Dalton Varsho, who we spoke about at the beginning of the season as one of our sleepers, is having a phenomenal start to the season, and he's hitting the ball with authority. He's even got a little bit of speed, and I love that he qualifies in the outfield. Yeah, he's actually played 25 of his games in the outfield thus far, only eight games at catcher, which really, to me, only helps his fantasy value because he's going to play every single day, but has that sprinkled in catcher eligibility, even though he doesn't play there. So it's, it's much better. And fresher legs, too, you know, with catchers, you know, towards maybe the later innings, maybe seventh, eighth inning. Maybe they won't get on in the ninth. But when he's playing the outfield and he feels fresh, especially at 25 years old, he's going to get on. So let's move to the second question. How long do I keep Marcus Semyon before dropping him? He kills me every week. Asked by Noah Johns on Twitter. Colby, I'm going to throw that over to you, especially because... I mean, no real reason. I just, I, I've talked a lot about Marcus Semyon, so I want to hear your your opinion on him at the moment. Yeah, it's funny. I, I think this is a guy that we haven't spoken about once on this show the entire year, and I think that's because he's been so bad. I mean, yeah. you look at his line over the full season, and it's brutal. But even just over the last 50 plate appearances, if you look like just hoping that he would be starting to bounce back as we enter May in the warmer months. And maybe it was just an early season struggle with short and spring training and him, you know, being a new signing or whatever over his last 50 plate appearances, 149, two RBIs, two runs. He's, he's not hitting anything hard, Peter. It's nearing the time for me to think about dropping him. If there's better options out there right now, there's plenty of good options on the waiver wire to me it's like if you can go grab a guy like Santiago Espinal how do you let a Santiago Espinal slip through your fingers and hold on to Marcus Simeon who has a 28% hard hit rate right now 
for somebody that could be giving you value right now? Do you think he turns it around? Because to me, it's just like, this is, this is bad. It's bad. It is bad. And there's no doubt about it. And it's hard to stomach a guy like this when he's giving you not even zero production, like almost negative production. But what I will say at least, and this at least kind of alleviates some of that worry, but not a ton because I am worried. But in, in the 2020 COVID shortened season, he got off to a bit of a slow start, 577 OPS. But then we move into 2021, he had a 658 OPS in the month of April with the Blue Jays. And then now he comes over and he's rocking a 443 OPS in April. But the thing is, we're already halfway through May and he's rocking a 454 OPS. So that's why for me, I'm thinking, okay, he might just be a bit of a slow starter. I, a guy like him who's that good, I cannot stomach dropping. It may be the right move, but there's it, the way I'm going to play, there's no way I can stomach it, depending on how big your league is, especially too. Like if you're in a like maybe an eight team league or a 10 team league, maybe it's more attainable, but we play in a lot of deeper leagues. Like there's no way I can drop him right now. I think even in 12 team leagues, you could, and maybe now that the waiver wire has actually kind of been cleaned out, like you might've been better off dropping him a week ago and finding somebody on the waiver wire. But at least to me, Peter, like you look at his 2019 season where he had a 139 WRC plus, you look at his 2021 where he had a career year, 39 home runs or 44 home runs, whatever it was, it was, Saying right, a lot of home runs. He set the record for a second baseman. It was a lot of home runs. It was a lot of home runs in 2019, 38 percent hard hit rate in 2021, 41 percent hard hit rate. But in all of his other seasons, he was a WRC plus around 95. Yeah, and his hard hit rate in those seasons was anywhere from 29 to 33 percent. Right now, he's at 28 percent. So to me, it's this weird thing where, yes, he has a track record of being very good and at the top of the game, an MVP candidate. But on the other side, he has a pretty big track record of being pretty below average at the plate, which is which is bizarre to me. I can't figure it out, but for whatever reason, he's this season struggling. Beyond so let's say today, what's today? Is it? Oh, it's Friday the 13th. Perfect. It's Friday the 13th. Would you drop him today? Like, if I don't know if you own him. I don't think you do. If you did own him, are you dropping him today? Yeah, yeah. I think I think you have to. If you have a guy that can plug a hole at second, or if there's like a Santiago Espinal on your waiver wire, go get him. But I, I even saw a guy ask me, the guy that asked this question said, would you drop him for like Austin Meadows? And I think I would drop him for a guy like Austin Meadows who is raking, who is raking right now. It, it's, I, I mean, it's, his stolen base upside is there, but if you're not going to get on base, you're not going to steal any backs. I just, I, I got to give him more time. He's earned it too much for me, but Colby said you drop him. I say hold, but we're definitely not buying, I guess is the point of this. Um, so let's move on to the third question. What should owners do with Zach Gallon's hot start? And, and I kind of want to answer this quickly because I think it's pretty easy. We believe. And I, I think you're on the same side as me, Colby. We believe in Zach Allen. Zach Allen has always been a good pitcher. He's just gone through a little bit of struggles in the early goings, but he's got electric stuff. He's got good command. And he seems to have figured something out at least this year. I, I don't even have to get really into the numbers. I'm just straight up keeping him. I love him. I would not trade him. And if someone is like, oh, this Arizona guy, maybe he's a bit fluky, go grab him from any owner because he is legit. Yeah, he was a guy that, was actually always really, really good. He was traded 
for Jazz Chisholm to the Diamondbacks and the Mariners or the Marlins got Jazz Chisholm in return. Uh, but he's a guy that was, you know, 23, 24 in the big leagues and hadn't been worked up to a starter's workload yet. So he was, you know, he got banged up easily after 80 innings pitched in 2019. It's like, okay, that was enough. Like I've had enough this season and can't go any further. Um, and this year we're just finally seeing him. He's 26, but in his fourth year in the big. So he's finally just kind of figuring out how to get MLB batters out in an elite level. And he's not walking guys anymore. That was always the thing for him was he can strike guys out, but he's not walking anyone right now. Um, He's a guy that I would consider right now. I'm going to start working on my updated top 20 pitchers list. And like, he's a guy at the back end of that list that I would uh, definitely going to have to take a long look at. I mean, think about this, Colby. Right now, he's rocking a 0.95 ERA, but he's got a 1.83 expected ERA. And when you look at his pitches as well, nobody can touch his 94-mile-an-hour fastball, which is actually up from last year. And then you look at the changeup, that's the pitch that opponents have done the most damage on right now, and it's his second most thrown pitch. Actually, he's thrown it basically as many times as his curveball, but opponents are hitting 357 off it. 230 expected batting average. So we should expect some regression on that changeup as well. Cause the changeup just from the eye test too, is a great pitch and the curveball is disgusting. Opponents can't touch that at all. So if that changeup balances out, at least opponents not hitting it as much, this guy could be in for at least a Cy Young type caliber season. That's how good Zach Allen could be. And he's performing like it right now. Agreed. I'm with you, man, with you all the way. And let's move to another guy who I think we also both believe in. And that the question number four, even with Ty France's hot start, would you trade him or would you keep him? I'm keeping him. I love Ty France. He's a guy who I, you know, made a really hot take. I was like, maybe he could win a batting title one day. That's how good I think the bat to ball is. Yeah, he's and if looking he just, like he could. Seriously. And if he just unlocks that power, I mean, we're looking at 30 home run power because he hits the crap out of the ball too. Ty France is that guy who you should go trade for. And if you have him, sing to the gods because you should not be giving him away. I hit second in the Mariners lineup, which is an amazing lineup. And now Julio Rodriguez is hitting right behind him, which is only going to increase his run production. He has 24 RBIs already this season. He's finally getting into more home run power, highest home run per fly ball rate of his career, which you might say, okay, he he might regress back, but it might not regress with the way he's hitting right now. 325 average thus far, 389 Woba, 380 X Woba. So it's like you're getting – what he's done in last, if his floor is what he did last season at 290 last year, 305 in 2020, that's his floor. Mm-hmm. Hold, hold, or buy. I, I don't even know if you could buy this guy right now, but hold. Yeah, nobody's going to trade him to you right now. Who's um, maybe just like a hypothetical question? Who's somebody that's really, really good who you'd say, you know what, I would be willing to trade him for Ty France? You know what would be an interesting offer is if, say, I have Paul Goldschmidt in a couple leagues. Hmm. Somebody said to me, I will trade you Ty France for Paul Goldschmidt. I think, I don't, I think they're very similar at this point. The only thing that Goldschmidt's going to give you is more speed and more home runs, most likely. A touch, a touch. But also, Ty France could end up with a better batting average. I just don't know if he's going to have more RBIs. I still would take Goldschmidt. But but I think the reasoning you brought that up is because it won't be that far off. But I wouldn't I don't trade France so. for Goldschmidt because I think Goldschmidt's going to finish well within the top five of the first baseman when it's all said and done. Yeah, I just more so meant it as it, 
it really would yeah. be a thought exercise. Like I'd have to sit with that one for, for a little bit and see, okay, really, what am I doing here? Cause Paul Goldschmidt, two home runs. Yeah. He's producing solid two ninety four average. He's just always solid two stolen just, bases as well. He's just, he's just pretty good. He's a, he's a decent. He's pretty good. Player. Pretty good. Uh, let's talk about our next pick um, is Austin Meadows start for real friend of the show via a text Colby. You were just talking about how Austin Meadows is rake, raking. Do you believe that this start is for real? Yeah, I genuinely do, which is crazy um, because this is a guy that really couldn't hit lefties before this year. The Rays kind of gave up on him to trade him away and make room for a guy like Josh Lowe um, or Manuel Margot, I guess, because he's the guy that's kind of taken over the raids over there. Um, but he's raking this year, man, and he's a completely different hitter. So last year, 20% K rate. Before that, he was a guy who was striking out, you know, 25, 30% of the time. He's cut his strikeout rate in half, 12% strikeout rate so far this year, which means he's putting more balls into play, which means he has a higher chance for a higher average. He's hitting 281 right now, which is a career high. Um, he doesn't have any home runs, which to me also signals that I think he could get into some more power here. He's hitting more balls on the ground, which is helping with that average. Um, but I think he could get into more power. This guy that's hit 27 home runs in his career and 33 home runs in his career. He's obviously a different hitter than that this year. I think he's scaling it back to hit for a higher average with less power, but if he can get into 20 home runs the rest of the year with a higher average, you're looking at a guy that really is like a top 150 player at this point, which is, which is crazy. And I just like that Austin Meadows is just spraying the ball over the ballpark. He's not just trying to pull everything because even in the last three years, dating back to 2019 COVID shortened season in 2020. And then in 2021, he had over a 40% pull rate this year. It's 32.9%. And he's hitting a lot of balls up the middle. He's spraying balls to the opposite field. He actually has the highest oppo percentage of his big league career. He's swinging a little bit less, but when he swings, he's making more contact. I agree with you, Colby. I think this is for real. Um, the X batting average is 30 points higher than his actual average. I believe in the resurgence. I don't know if he's going to keep up this level of production because this level of production has been fantastic. I think he may drop off a little bit, but not too much. And I think he's going to have a really solid year this year. Yeah, the last point I'll bring up before we move on to the next question is go, going back to those swing decisions, right? We saw the, the strikeout rate drop, but that's led by him swinging at less pitches outside the zone. But on the pitches he does swing at inside the zone, he's making contact 95% of the time. That is in the top 10 in the league. That's like Stephen, like he, that's a Stephen Kwan level number, which is yeah. crazy to put Austin Meadows and Stephen Kwan in the same conversation at, at, in terms of like their hit styles. But that's, that's the way he's trending this year. And also, I mean, we've been on a lot of games with the Tigers so far in terms of our bets. And we've been watching a lot of Austin Meadows. And not only is Austin Meadows, you know, raking, but he's also getting a bit unlucky in my opinion. I think he's been lining out even in one of our bets that we got saved. He had a ball that would have been a home run in 28 ballparks, but it flew out to deep right field. So those kind of plays, I think Austin Meadows. Yeah. I'm now I'm, as the more I'm coming around to it, it, maybe he won't regress much, but it, it, I'd still do feel slight regress, but I think he can keep really this production up. I think this is a guy that you can buy right now with the expectation that people think they're selling high, high. right? they and, and they're going to be like, oh, I, I just got to steal. Like, they're <laughs> going to feel so good about it. But you're you're going to know that you just actually may have, got a, may have gotten a steal. So I think he's a guy I'm buying. Agreed. So 
before the next question, I want to talk about prize picks because prize picks is the sponsor of not gambling advice. One of the best partners in the world. And the great thing about prize picks is that when you use code, just baseball, you get a deposit match of over of a deposit match of whatever you, of whatever you deposit on prize picks. The link is in that description. Colby and I have been doing a bunch of props, different bunch of parlays. And um, we're going to talk about a lot of those gambling stuff, but I really wanted to touch on prize picks. Let them know we appreciate it and that we've been humming in the prize picks. We had Brandon Nimmo this morning who already hit his over walks and bases as well. You know, what's crazy about our prize picks for anybody out there listening, you can find them on our Twitter, but the crazy thing is, is with our luck of picking guys that have their games canceled. Yeah. Like we had a bunch of games canceled due to rain last weekend. And then yesterday we had, I can't remember who it was in that Guardians Tigers game. Or no, it was the White Sox. We had Luis Robert. And it yeah. was like, was that the COVID game? COVID. The Guardians got held out due to COVID. I think um, Terry Francona went down with it. Their bench coach went down with it. And I, I, I'm actually a little bit nervous because, you know, Terry Francona and his, you know, health issues getting COVID that late in life, it's, it's a bit scary. That's definitely something to monitor. Like whatever your thoughts on COVID, we all know that at that point, at that old age, it's, it's scary. So it is something to monitor and something you shouldn't take lightly and think about, oh, it's just COVID. What are we doing now? But really, if the manager, especially a Hall of Famer like Tito, I just hope he's doing okay. Love Tito. So along the the prize picks lane, we have a question here from Declan Hughes 30 on Twitter. What are your favorite kind of player props? I know you guys don't normally do them, but if you were to do them, do you like pitcher K's, batter hits, something else? And it's not necessarily, like I put out Chad Cool under strikeouts yesterday as one of my picks because sometimes I don't like the board and I just need to find somewhere that has an edge. But also, obviously, we're doing prize picks every day. Um so I kind of touched last episode on how I kind of walk through the prize picks. Peter, how do you walk through player props and approach, you know, the strategy there? The way I do it is I really try and find who's hot right now. And I'm really pitcher versus batter matchups, as well as home road splits, as well as lefty righty splits. Like, you know, I, I love the righty lefty splits. I feel like now in big league baseball, the more and more we're seeing more teams really, really play the splits. And I think it's important because you can find a guy like Jordan Luplo and you're like, who's Jordan Luplo? But he has an 1100 OPS against left-handed pitching. And then he hits two home runs like those types of things. Sometimes you just have better matchups and you could say, oh, this pitcher is really good, but he's facing a lineup that he just hasn't had good success against. So I use a lot of baseball savant. I use fan graphs, the splits tools on baseball reference, a lot of different ones to help find an edge. And also, um, I don't do a ton of player props, but when I do, it's it has to be data bait. It has to be data backed because I can't just say, oh, he's due. That's never going to work for me. It has to be, oh, this guy's hot. He has good numbers against maybe a lefty and he's a righty. That's when I'll pounce on it. It has to all make sense for me, I guess, with the splits. Yeah. So with the prize picks, I've been really finding edges on the runs and RBI totals. Mm-hmm. You can bet like over a half RBI and run. And there's a lot of good players in there. Like Nimmo today, that's what we hit. Um, and he hits at the top of the Mets lineup. I expect the Mets to score that day. I'm usually expecting in more than half of his games that he's going to score a run. So I, I'm really enjoying those. I think we're going to start hitting more of those. I agree. I think we're going to start hitting more of those. And if you want to deposit match and follow us all year on prize picks, follow us at, at gambling underscore advice on Twitter. We're going to post our prize picks there. If you want to download the prize pick app, 
click the link in our episode description. You get a full deposit match. If you deposit $200, you get 200 free bucks to play with. And we're going to be rocking with them all year. So thank you to prize picks and make sure to use that code in our episode description. So Colby, let's move on to the next question. When do you find the best time is to have first five lines compared to full game lines? What would be the magic number or statistic that you're looking for asked by Connor Silverthorne on Twitter. But before we get into that question, let's talk about my bookie. Yeah, let's talk about my bookie, man. I mean, whenever we're looking say at a full game line versus a first five line, I'm on my bookie looking and say the Yankees today, or the, it was Yankees white Sox today, right? I'm looking and I see Dylan cease is pitching against Luis Hill who just got called up. Luis Hill has a nine ERA. Dylan Cease is one of the best pitchers in the league. And better. But, but the White Sox are minus 145 on my book. I go to the first five line. Okay. First five, the White Sox are minus 105. That is a much more palatable line for me. I believe that the White Sox can score early, but I also believe that Dylan Cease will shut down the Yankees who have been slumping actually over the last week for those first five innings so a lot of times when you're looking at my bookie which you should go check out and use our promo code just baseball for a 50 percent deposit match up to a thousand dollars so if you deposit two thousand dollars you're gonna get a thousand dollars free it's crazy if you have that money please go do that because that's (laughs) just stealing money um but it, it really is just an advantage to, to get more value. Like I, I don't want that minus 145 if I believe heavily in the first five innings and we've been getting a ton of edge that way this year. Yeah, I agree too. And it's a way to isolate the starting pitching matchup. So for example, you know, you don't want to deal with the bullpens. Let's say you want an over, uh, but there's two good bullpens, but there's two really struggling starting pitchers. That's when I might take an over through the first five innings or the other way around. Let's say there's two really good bullpen, or let's say there's two bad bullpens, but two really good starters on the mound. I'd rather isolate that starting pitching matchup and take the under through the first five innings, as well as a lot of money lines. Like, let's say, um, for example, I mean, this one lost. I think this is a good example. This one lost. I took the Mets through the first five innings. They were minus 180 on the money line, but ended up the first five inning line was minus 125. It was Tyler McGill versus Aaron Sanchez. Yeah, the Mets lost that one. Tyler McGill gave up eight earned runs in one and a third inning. That after was an the L Mets for me. scored five after the Mets, no, the after the first. Mets scored three runs in the first inning. So that's the kind of luck I've been on right now. The thing is, if we had taken the Mets money line at minus 180, if we had taken the Mets spread at, you know, what minus 120 or whatever minus one and a half was, you would have lost that one too at more juice. So that's a way to at least not hedge the bet, but at least you know, come out of it with less juice. So that's why there's a lot of games that are minus 170 money lines, minus 180 money lines, and you can find a much better line on the first five. And generally more often than not, the team that wins through the first five innings is going to win the full game. Of course, there's happenstance. And you don't and have to deal with the in, but you don't ever have to deal apart. with it. And, you know, say, I think the best example, Peter, is going back to the Phillies-Mets game where they blew that seven-run lead, right? If you bet the Phillies first five, you hit, you don't have to worry about the rest of the game. You're all good. So I don't think there's any magic number statistic we're looking for. It's that betting first five lines is really all about betting the market and, and not betting on a minus 180 favorite. Cause that's just not profitable over a full season. 
not profitable over a full season. So use code just baseball in my bookie and you can find all those first five lines on there. I've been feeling that those have really good odds as well, actually finding more than most books as well. Um, so I'm usually on my bookie in the morning, at least putting those in there because they have really good first five innings bets. But sometimes we play the money line because sometimes we think it might be a closer game and could be tied at, at, at the beginning of the first five innings. And that's also the thing that team has to win through the first five innings. Occasionally you could take a money line if you see a push happening, but generally more often than not, we're going to take the spread because we believe in that first five innings bet. So moving on um, to question number eight, we only have two more questions on the mailbag this morning. Should I be concerned about Trey Turner's lack of power so far? Asked by our guy Smith doing some graphics for us. Colby, give me your thoughts on Trey Turner right now because it is a bit concerning. But then again, it's also Trey Turner. So how concerning really is it? Not at all. Not at all, frankly. It's Trey Turner. He'll he'll figure it out. I mean, you know, the one complaint that anybody could have is that he he's hitting the ball on the ground a little bit more. Um, when you look at it, his ground ball rate is up about 4% right now. Line drive rates down a little bit and looking at average launch angle, you know, it's, it's pretty big difference from last year, 11.4 average launch angle this year, 5.2 degrees of average launch. So he's hitting the ball on the ground more, but he's still hitting the ball hard, 46% hard hit rate. And yeah, I, I, he hit, you know, I came into this year, Pierre, and I was like, yeah, this guy's going to hit 30 home runs because last year he did show that he was, he could hit the ball in the air more with that force of the 46% hard hit rate. He's not doing that so far this year. So maybe we need to, I think we definitely need to temper our expectations of, yeah, this guy is a 28 home run guy again. Um, but I don't think that Trey Turner, the rest of the way is going to hit 259. And he's not hitting home runs right now, but he has 22 RBIs, which is incredible. So he's still providing a ton of value for you in one of the power departments. Um, and I think he's only going to get better as, as we, keep going into the season and the warmer months arrive. It's Trey Turner. Yeah, it's Trey Turner. I mean, he, he's, he's already five for six on stolen bases. He's in the hundredth percentile on sprint speed. The great thing about Trey Turner and why he's so valuable in fantasy is that regardless of even if he hits home runs, he's going to give you a ton of value with run scoring opportunities with RBIs. He's the batting average is going to climb up. He hit three thirty last year. You think he's going to hit two fifty nine? No shot, at least in my opinion. And then he's going to hit some home runs as well. I, I'm pegging him around 25 home runs. I think he's still going to get on a hot streak. And I still think like, yes, I think, for this season, we do have to temper expectations, but I don't think you were incorrect when you said he's got 30 plus home run possibilities because of that hard hit rate and what he was doing with his swing. So I wouldn't be surprised if in, you know, June, July, the weather starts getting hot in LA and he hits 10 home runs in two months. Wouldn't be surprised at all. So let's get to the final question of the not gambling advice mailbag. Of course, we asked all these questions on our Twitter gambling underscore advice. What are your favorite fantasy scoring types and why? Colby, I'm going to throw that over to you first, but I, I just have a quick story that I, I've never really done an auction before last year. We did an auction for a fantasy draft, but it's funny. The league didn't really get all that in because we were bootstrapping and we were just trying to make it as a business. So the last thing on our minds was the fantasy league, but that auction draft was one of the most fun drafts I've ever had. That's not really a scoring type. Of course, that's more of a draft type, but I, I advise if you guys are, have you've done snake drafts your whole life and you're so used to it, try an auction in your next draft. It's so much fun. Yeah. You have to know what you're getting into because the auction drafts are long. They can They're take long. 
They can take up to five hours, depending on how big your league. I mean, but Colby, league, my we thing were, is, if you're listening to a fantasy baseball podcast, you're down to draft. You're down to draft for five hours. I mean, the, the thing about fantasy baseball or even fantasy football or any of the fantasy sports is the most fun time of the year is drafting. Drafting your team is the most fun thing you could ever do. Um, so yeah, I think you got to do an auction draft. What I want to try eventually is doing an in-person auction. I've heard that's like a whole different experience that I, I need to need to try. Um, in terms of the scoring types, I play in a lot of different leagues. I play in a dynasty league, which uses basically imagine WRC plus scoring. It actually uses like the elements of wrc plus scoring um so that's like uber realistic and has its benefits but sometimes it's like too uber realistic um <laughs> then i play in just your your standard like uh head-to-head five by five scoring um which is you know it's average it's what we kind of use to base the show around my favorite scoring this year though has been head-to-head where you're playing for categories um but each category is like a win in itself. But the, the categories we have are really, really solid. We have quality starts, which I used to be kind of down on because I'm like quality starts aren't don't actually mean anything for pitcher performance. And maybe they're a, they're a little wonky, but it's actually a skill this year, finding pitchers that can go six innings into a start. Yeah. Yeah. No pitchers go six, like unless, unless they're the, the best pitchers, but like those fringy guys you're picking up week to week, um, don't get quality starts. And that's what makes a guy like a Miles Michaelis so valuable because he can go seven innings into starts consistently. Um, and then Roto Leagues. Roto Leagues, if you've never done a Roto League, are, are exhilarating because it changes every single day, like how many points you have. And so like, yeah, you're not playing against anyone per se, but you're actually playing against the whole league. And I'm in, I'm in an interesting league where you actually get paid out monthly um, hmm. So like the winner of the Roto every single month gets paid. Or if you're in like 11th place, which I am, mm-hmm. you have to pay money every single month. So it's like, I'm just grinding my way to like not be in last. It's a good, it's a, it's a good, uh, you're grinding your way to not be in last right now. That's what you're doing. Yeah. I took over a team uh, last year that had been. Oh, that's not your fault. You took over. Not really. Yeah. And it, it's a keeper league. So like some mm. of these teams, man, just have yeah. and you can't, Juan you can't. Soto and yeah. Acuna and Tatis on one team. You're like, and, wait a second. And I haven't, I haven't come into a fantasy scoring settings where I'm like, oh, this stinks. Like I think each scoring type has its own positives and negatives. I always say my favorite, I agree, I think is with the categories just because I think it's more fun depending on what those categories are. But I would say head-to-head categories where you have to win one of those categories or multiple, you have to win three of five each week. That's the most fun for me because I love piling up on those categories. But also head-to-head scoring is really fun for me too. So that'll do it for this episode of Not Gambling Advice. It is Friday, May 13th. Stay safe, you know, with all the uh, Friday the 13th nonsense. Has anything ever bad happened to you on Friday the 13th, Colby, that you can remember? I can't remember. I I used to be really superstitious when I was younger and playing baseball, but I stopped the super superstition once I went to college and started doing data analytics and learned yeah. that all superstitions are lies. Yeah, it's just happenstance and coincidence. So definitely check out our chalkboard baseball group chat. That's in the episode link description as well. We're talking baseball all day long on chalkboard and use the code just baseball both on prize picks and my bookie. If you use them both on those apps, which is in the episode link description, you can get free money just for depositing. So Colby, 
unless we got anything else, get your just baseball merch. I'm rocking my not gambling advice shirt. Um, I have been rocking this now for a while, but unfortunately I am losing in it. So I'm just not in a great mood because still this over is still not going to hit again. And it's just a bad beat, but I think we have to have a closer mentality and we have to get rid of it, throw it over the shoulder because the numbers made sense and we got to trust the process and you're right. And sometimes these things just don't happen. Go outside this weekend. It's going to be beautiful. Go outside, maybe play catch, get your glove that you haven't used in a long time and go outside, have a catch with somebody. That's what I'd recommend. I'd recommend that as well. Stay safe Friday the 13th and thank you everybody.